it in your eyes Take me out to cafe binge tonight Be the beauty, sense the beauty everywhere worldwide Take me out to cafe binge tonight Hello and welcome to the Cafe Binge podcast. You guys, do you want to know what I fall for every single time? It reels me in every single time. Clickbait. I can't even tell you how many times I've clicked on something random, which leads to something else random, and then I'm just in the black hole of the internet looking up just crazy things. Usually it's like stupid BuzzFeed articles or quizzes. I take quizzes all of the time. I don't know why I do the things that I do, but actually I take that back because why wouldn't I want to know which Disney princess I was or which house at Hogwarts I'm going to get sorted into. Quizzes are amazing. I take that back. I stand by quizzes. But anyways, I get roped in. If I watch TV and commercials, I'd probably buy everything on the infomercials as well. Right now, I'm looking at a list of would-you-rathers, and I'm dying over them, which (laughs) this is maybe where it'd be good to have a co-host of my podcast or even just a dog who talked. (laughs) My dog is laying here right now, and... Bless his heart, he's a boxer and has the shortest little snout and can't breathe very well, especially when he's laying down sleeping on his side. So if you guys hear random like snorts or snoring, just know it's a little friend here. Anyways, yeah, if he could talk, we'd be good right now because I'm reading through this list and I wish I could go over it with someone of would you rather. I love would you rather. So maybe you guys can play with me just answer in your head. We'll read a few because these are too fun. Okay, let's see. Would you rather eat no candy at Halloween or no turkey at Thanksgiving? Easy. Even before I didn't eat meat, I hated turkey at Thanksgiving. I live for like mashed potatoes, rolls, pie, what else? My mom makes this um, jello, like pretzel salad. It's like a dessert, but we call it salad. I didn't ever like turkey, ever. Candy at Halloween is my lifeblood. I love those fun size candies at Halloween. Who doesn't? I love, I love white chocolate Reese's. I mean, I haven't had like candy candy in a while, but I love white chocolate Reese's. I love those individual um, wrapped Twizzlers, the strawberry Twizzlers. Oh gosh, I love Airheads. I love all of that junk. It's so good. Okay, next one. Would you rather lose the ability to lie or believe everything you're told? Okay, I, I don't believe everything I'm told already and I'm a good liar but I actually like it because I love surprising people like I love surprising people with gifts or fun events or parties like surprise parties and you have to lie in order to do that and I'm a really good liar so I wouldn't want to give that up and I don't really think I'd want to believe everything I was told because the internet would be a really dangerous place if that were true Side note about that, you guys, I remember, like, in my lifetime, I remember the internet being normalized. Like, I remember dial-up, 
not having the internet. I remember when my elementary school got it. That makes me sound very old, but I remember this, which means I also remember those pop-up internet scams where it would say, click this link right now and you win a free cruise or something. And so I remember this happened and I was freaking out, like thinking I want a cruise, calling my mom. And I remember she wouldn't answer her cell phone. And I was so distraught when she came home, like, mom, I want a cruise and you weren't here to help me. Anyways, so no, I wouldn't want to believe everything I read on the internet. That just sounds dangerous. Okay, next one. Would you rather look 10 years older from the neck up or the neck down? What? I would rather look 10 years older from the neck down. Everyone sees your face. You're wearing clothes most of the time. I love wearing jeans. I love like fall clothes. I love wearing clothes. So I'm pretty covered up most of the time. I'd rather look 10 years older from the neck down. Next, would you rather have three kids and no money or no kids and have $3 million? You guys, I don't have kids right now. So it's not like I'm not choosing them. So I'm going to take the $3 million and run. I don't know if that means I can't ever have kids, but I don't have three kids right now. So I'd rather take the $3 million. Um, would you rather be the funniest person in the room or the most intelligent? You know what? I'd rather be the funniest. I would. I'd rather have street smarts than book smarts. I'd rather be funny because if you're the most intelligent person in the room, I think you're just the one-up person. We are always one-upping people in their statements or you're the actually man where you start every sentence with actually trying to correct people. I don't know. I don't really care about it. I'd rather be funny. Funny is beautiful. Funny lightens people's hearts, right? That's why we watch comedies. That's why we love funny people. That's why I watch Ellen DeGeneres. That's why I watch Vine videos on Instagram. I love laughing. I'd rather be funny. Okay, two more because I do eventually want to start this podcast and introduce my guests, but I can't stop reading these questions. Um, would you rather know how you will die or when you will die? Gosh, that's morbid. How I will die or when I will die? You know what, though? I'm actually, I think it's because I'm a Scorpio. I'm not freaked out by death, but I wouldn't want to think about it. Like, if you knew how you would die and you knew it was in a car, I would never want to get in a car. Or if I knew when, I don't know. Then you're just counting down the days. Hmm, if I had to choose how or when, I would choose when, honestly. I would choose when because, you know when people get a diagnosis and they're given a certain amount of time to live and then they start living, like that song, Live Like You Were Dying, I think it would kick me into gear. I think I would fully live, like fully relish every single day. Rather than how, I feel like how will just instill all of this fear. Whereas when, I don't know. I think if you look at it in the right way, you can be empowered by it. Last one, would you rather visit 100 years into the past or 100 years into the future? Oh, goodness. Hmm. 
So you know what? It would be cool to visit the past, but 100 years into the past, I feel like that's wartime in the U.S. I don't know if I'd want to visit then. Um, Also, I just feel like things back then, I don't know, people didn't wear deodorant. I feel like it probably was weird or or smelled weird. But here's the thing. 100 years into the future, we don't even know. We don't even know what that's going to be like. Maybe people are going to be communicating telepathically. Maybe... Elon Musk created a space station and we're living there. Who even knows? I think I'd want to go a hundred years into the future because I have history books. I can kind of already look into the past. So yeah, I'm going to go with a hundred years into the future. You guys, thank you for playing along. I don't know if you guys have looked at my website, but I have a little section on it that is would you rathers and they're kind of just like fun would you rathers mostly beauty related um like would you rather sing like celine or rap like kanye would you rather dye your hair purple or cut blunt bangs and i answer all of these would you rathers on my website so go check it out it's in the about section but they're totally fun So today on the podcast, I have a very special guest, and quite honestly, I think all of my guests are very special, so I probably start out the exact same way, but they so are. I only reach out to people who light me up, whose message resonates with me, and who I think are totally special. So today's guest is the Julie Taylor. The Julie Taylor is her name but also her name on instagram the julie taylor if you want to check her out julie has been my friend for gosh how many years a long time and we met through my mom julie did my mom's hair for a while and then i did julie's lash extensions for a while while she was in utah and we just would have these really in-depth beautiful conversations when I did her lashes and I loved connecting with her and I've just seen her evolve and transform and shift and change over all of these years especially since she moved out of Utah and then came back into Utah but what I love about her is that she's honest. Julie is radically honest and She shares stories that a lot of people don't share, whether it's talking about postpartum depression or anxiety or funny stories like when she didn't wash all of the detergent out of her running leggings and ended up going to the gym and running and the crotch sweat happened so her gym pants started to foam. She shares the raw and the hard and the beautiful and the funny stories and I adore her. I have also seen a shift within her over the past few years of her truly stepping into her vulnerable authenticity and I we talk about this in the podcast where authentic is such a buzzword right now and it's oftentimes connected with a picture of a sink full of dirty dishes and a dirty kitchen and the hashtag mom life and yeah that's authentic but she shares like the sometimes not so pretty authentic truth, whether that's not wanting to be alive anymore or not wanting to be a mom or not wanting to choose the life that she's chosen. But she's great at just facing these shadowy parts, which I love. You guys know I love shadow work, but sitting with the shadow because sometimes self-care 
is more than just going shopping or eating cookie dough in your car at midnight. A lot of times it's just sitting with the ugly truth, sitting with the raw truth, sitting with the beautiful truth, and feeling the emotions that we spend so much of our time running from. So Julie has a mission to help women, and she's been doing it for all of her adult life, whether that was going to hair school and doing hair for years and helping women to feel beautiful, or becoming a trainer and helping women to feel powerful and strong in their bodies. And now finally, she's helping women to gain freedom from truly knowing what their priorities are and living those priorities, living what you value, and fully allowing others to do the same. Julie's also written a book. She's done it all, but she's written a book called You Do You, A How-To, which is her entire essence. It's you do you. You live your authentic truth. You live in a way that prioritizes the things that you truly value and drop the rest and allow others to do the same. So I'm so excited for you guys to meet Julie. I know you're going to love her. I'm excited to introduce you to her because I know you're going to want to go to Julie Church the same way that I do. I feel like her Instagram posts are sermons. They're church. They're beautiful. I love following her and hearing her truth and her vulnerable, bold, honest, authentic truth. So let's meet Julie. Let's start the show and I will see you on the other side. and I don't even know how. Like, I would, like, get tagged in posts and be like, why are you guys listening to this? Like, where are you finding this? something, though, that, like, people go back a lot. Yeah. I feel like they find one episode and then they'll go, like... Yes. It's not like, I don't know. It's true. I do that, too. When I find a good podcast, I'm like, whoa, where has this been? Yeah. I guess I kind of do that, too. If I find someone's Instagram profile, I'll, like, just, like, like, hound and, like, yeah, look at everything. But... Yeah, thank you for being on the podcast. Yeah, Ooh, I'm so excited. So, how is it being back in Utah, for real? And being, are you working? Yeah. Okay. I'm working. And that's been an adjustment, too, because I haven't worked, like, actually worked in a yeah. long time. So, but it's been so good. Like, yeah. it's one of those things where I told myself for so long, like, if I just started working again, I think it would help. But mm-hmm. then you don't want to, like, put off, like, getting better for a certain set of circumstances but Mm -hmm. then it really has like been proof of like oh no I really did like and it's one of those things where you like don't really know if you're like if this is actually going to help or if it's like a grass is greener right where you're like I'll be happy when or if it's like no actually like my soul needs to be like I feel like if it keeps coming back up over and over and over again then it starts to be like oh actually like I I do need this and Mm -hmm. then it's been like a huge confirmation of like oh yeah I I did yeah so for everyone listening I want you to tell your story of like being in Utah, how you were raised, cultural, like everything like that from leaving. Because when you left, because (laughs) I met you through my mom, Mm -hmm. who to this day has still never had like better hair than when Julie did her hair. She'll say it all the time too. She's like, I miss Julie hair. She's the sweetest. No, she truly, like she got her hair done last week and she said the same thing. Like, I miss Julie. Tell her I'm back. Okay. I'll do her Really? Oh, you're so sweet. Just for her. Um, So yeah, I met you through my mom and then I did your lashes and just totally loved our last time together where we could just talk for an hour. It's so funny. I feel like we were both in such different 
places of life through those, Absolutely. that last time. Do you feel like you've, I was talking about this with um, a podcast I did last week that like, I feel like I died. Like, I mm-hmm. feel like who that was, like, I of course was that person and I remember, but it doesn't feel like right. me. Do you feel like that? Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. For sure. And I feel like we've, not the same at all, but almost have had like similar rebirth. Absolutely. Into, and so it's funny to me to talk to you now because mm-hmm. I know how we used to talk yes. back in that time yeah. and to see the difference. Yeah. The but changes. like, yeah, back when I was talking to you during like last time, you were like so dead set on like leaving Utah and getting out of here. Mm-hmm. And I'm so happy that you're back. But tell us why you wanted to leave so bad. What was going on? So, or where you were at back then? Back then, that was like four or five years ago ish. I was in, so I feel like I started my my awakening mm-hmm. <laughs> right before. We I left. hate using that term, but it's such a true but it thing. Really, it's I'm like, like a rebirth. Yeah, or it seems kind of like or, tried or just like cheesy, but I'm like, no, it's a real thing. No, you like, we it, like woke up. It really mm-hmm. is a, a thing. And so. I started, I kind of started it right before, well, I, and I talk about this all the time, which all the time, but, um, Christmas Eve, I don't know, four or five years ago, I found out I was pregnant on Christmas Eve Mm -hmm. and I'm sure you remember this. How many kids did you have at that point? I had two. Okay. And I had had postpartum depression really bad with Mm -hmm. both of them. And my second one wasn't even two yet at that time. And I really was not at all through all of the stuff that came after her. Yeah. And then I found out I was pregnant. Mm-hmm. And I sat on my bathroom floor and it was like either – we're getting real heavy real quick. Yeah, into no, this, I love it. But this, this is just, just there. how it is. But I was either like either I can't survive or this baby can't survive. I didn't see a way for both of us to survive. Yeah. Um, because I was in such a bad place and this was so overwhelming to me. And then the thought of going through the postpartum stuff that I had already done twice when I was already in such a low point, I did not see like a way. Mm-hmm. And that really like shook me because I had never previously considered having an abortion yeah. or really suicide really at mm-hmm. that point. I remember you talking about and this And suddenly actually. both were on my mind. Mm-hmm. I was either suicide or abortion I remember felt like you, my only option. I remember you saying, I just want to get on a Greyhound bus and leave. Yes. But, yeah. <laughs> yes. And I had had that thought many times. Uh-huh. <laughs> like, I just want to leave and I never want to come back and I mm-hmm. never want to talk to these people. But the actual, like, thought of ending things or ending my baby's life, like, that was new for me. Mm-hmm. That was a new low. And it really kind of shook me and I thought, okay, like, I... I can't go on like this. Like, yeah. I literally can't continue, so something has to change. Mm-hmm. And it took that moment and that low to kind of trigger everything that happened next and has been happening for the next, you know, the past five years, four yeah. years. It's or, actually that baby's birthday tomorrow. She's it? turning four tomorrow. But it's just, like, a magical thing, too, though. It's, like, yes. I feel like our rock bottoms teach us the most. And right. if, like, we can spiral up out of them, right. magic happens. Yeah. Could you talk to your husband about it all? Yeah, I mean... And how is, like, he seems just like a gentle, kind, understanding he is. giant. He's really even keeled, mm-hmm. and he's very loving, and he's very, um, he doesn't get, like, rocked by a lot of things, even, he, I think he does, but he's, like, able to just, like, really kind of be the, the constant mm-hmm. But he was stoked because he lo- he wants 25 more yeah. babies. And so, I mean, he wasn't stoked that I was suffering. But as far as the baby thing was concerned, he was really excited. But he was really open to 
everything that I felt like I needed to try to get better because mm-hmm. it wasn't all traditional and it wasn't stuff that we had tried before. Um, and he was always just a huge supporter in it, which was, yeah. which obviously, like, I feel like I, of course, want to give him a trophy because he's a wonderful person, but also he'd be like a total douche if he mm-hmm. wasn't, right? <laughs> if he wasn't supportive. Ab- yeah, absolutely. But I do feel like men get like trophies for just not being terrible. It's true. He does deserve a trophy because he does more than just not be terrible. But I feel like we're often like, oh, he deals with me. Like, give him a give him a gold star, mm-hmm. and it's like, I remember my mom saying that about me when I was engaged to my husband, and she was like, "You're so lucky. Mm-hmm. Like, he is so nice." And I was like. Yeah. Yeah. And I wouldn't be with anyone who wasn't right. nice. Like, exactly. I think I'm nice, you know, like, yeah. But, like, nice is, like, everyone should be that nice. Should be just, yeah. Like, the baseline. Yeah. And that carries on into parenthood, too. Yeah. Like, dads do the bare minimum, mm-hmm. and it's like they get. He changed a diaper. Yeah. Or, like, he'll be in the store, not my husband, but a man will be in the store in the middle of the night with kids in pajamas. And they're just like, wow, look at him showing up. If a mom did that same thing, it'd be like, why are kids out so late? Why aren't they dressed? Like, Absolutely. They get praised for the exact that same things that we get super judged for. Isn't and that's it? a whole nother oh, bag. It's interesting. But... That is a whole nother bag. <sighs> I mean, like one worth like even just mentioning. I don't know why that is. Like this uh, differentiation and like the, the inequality in it. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, I, I think I've talked about this in my podcast before, but like if – even with eating, like if my dad, I guess, if we were all at dinner and my dad was like, I'm not hungry, like I'm going to sit this one out, like I'm just like not feeling well, I'm mm-hmm. bloated, it'd be like, okay. okay. If a girl was like, I'm bloated, I don't want to eat, like everyone would be like, you have an yes. eating disorder. It's yes. such a weird, weird, yes. weird thing. Oh yes. my goodness. 100%. Okay. So going back to your story. So what did your journey of healing look like because you said that both you and your husband were open to different methods that you've never tried right so I actually started a um an addiction recovery program for food addiction yeah and that is also it's super complicated it's exactly what I needed at the time Mm -hmm. but I feel like it's also brought its own set of problems with it now but back then it was exactly I did like a 12-step recovery program that's you had like a sponsor yeah I had a sponsor I went to meetings three times a week um how did you learn about that because when you told me about it it was the first time I had ever heard about food addiction yeah I had a family member that was doing it and um and had kind of introduced it to me I had actually if you rewind even before in college I had like a substance abuse and addiction class Mm -hmm. and they were talking about all sorts of drugs and addictions and things. And I remember sitting in that classroom being like, I feel that way about food. <laughs> like yeah. the way that you're talking about drugs, like that's how I react to food or mm-hmm. like want food or, and so I went home that day and this was years before and Googled like food addiction and like some random things came up. But then I was just like, oh, you're just being weird. And I just kind of shook it off. And mm-hmm. so then when it resurfaced later, um, it came to me at a time I needed it. And when I, your sister-in-law talked to you about it? Yeah, yeah, and she had talked to me months before when I didn't know I was pregnant yet or anything. But then when I hit that bottom, it was basically – I don't even think that food – I have since, like – I don't really feel like I was a food addict, and I mm-hmm. don't really think that I am. Um, but the 12-step program was such a beautiful way to, like, implement things in my life that I wasn't doing or that I had never heard of before. Like what? Just, I've never gone to a twelve step meeting or read the book. Oh, or like, they like, are wonderful. Was like, there like a few things? I I have a friend actually who she works in recovery and she's like 
everyone should read it. Like oh, everyone. Everyone should work through the 12 steps. What do you feel like out of those 12 steps? Was there one that, or a few that were like, it's just most all trans- about taking inventory of yourself and your life and taking responsibility for the things that you need to take responsibility for and mm-hmm. then showing up the best way you can every day. Yeah. And I feel like that theme is exactly like what I needed and what I still believe in the very most. Mm-hmm. And I think I had never, I had never done drugs. I had never drinking alcohol. So for me to like all of a sudden be in this recovery community, I went to AA every week mm-hmm. and it was and I related to these people 100%, even though I have never drank an alcohol. And yeah. I was like, I went to the same meeting every week. And they all knew that I had, like, never had alcohol. And they saw mm-hmm. I was, like, their little pet of the program. But they were so kind to me to let me in. Mm-hmm. Because it's just a place where people vulnerably show up every single week mm-hmm. and share about how much they've screwed up mm-hmm. <laughs> and how it's okay. Mm-hmm. And I had never been in a place that was so open and accepting. Like, no masks And people worn. are talking about, like terrible things Mm -hmm. that like you know I mind-blowing things and everyone's like yep been there Mm -hmm. yeah love you still (laughs) yeah and it was just it opened my mind to this idea of like real acceptance and the idea that you can take responsibility for something and not make it mean that you're a terrible person Mm -hmm. or that you're worthless or that you can't come back from it and yeah um a lot of my problem was the blame game of like not wanting to take any responsibility it was everyone else's fault and I think that's a fine balance too because mental illness is real and not your fault but it does give you habits that are very harmful and Mm -hmm. it's a slippery slope until I was doing really harmful things my lifestyle was terrible and I was expecting to get better even though I was doing harmful things constantly Mm -hmm. but because I couldn't take responsibility for it I couldn't fix any of it because I didn't want I was too scared to show up and say oh, I actually could do better or, Mm -hmm. you know, oh, that was actually my bad. Yeah, I think it's, like, almost comforting in a way to live in that. Oh, there's a reason for this, like, and to to just feel, like, comfortable in that, like, the blame game a little bit, you know, which I think we do need that, but it's, like, spiraling up out of it. It's just this, like, balance, which I hate the word balance because I don't feel like it's true. I don't, I, I don't know. Balance, there is balance, but balance is never, like, equal really it's not about like giving you can't give yourself to everything equally and that's not what balance is balance is living with your priorities and in a way that you give what you want where you want it but I feel like with my mental illness background of postpartum depression and anxiety and things like that I do it's this balance of grace and taking responsibility Mm -hmm. and understanding not everything is my fault but given this set of circumstances, it is my responsibility to do the very best I can mm-hmm. and and go from there. And I can't uh, just sit back and be like, oh, well, I have anxiety, so that's never going to work for me. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it's taking this set of circumstances and then what are you going to do with it and how are you going to show up for it? And yeah. it's really freeing to take the weight of if you're always trying to avoid blame or always trying to avoid responsibility, it's exhausting because you're always trying to think of ways that it's not your fault or, mm-hmm. and when you can just show up and say, Oh, actually that is me. Actually I can do better. Actually I did make a mistake. It just takes this weight off because you're just living authentically. I hate that buzzword term, but it really is. That's mm-hmm. what allows you to just show up and, and do what you're going to do because mm-hmm you're comfortable taking responsibility for it. Absolutely. I love that. 
Um, after the, so eventually you stopped with the food addiction program, right? Yeah. So I started that, um, while I was still pregnant with that baby. And then we moved from Utah to Ohio and I stayed in that program for about a year, um, before leaving. And, uh, I ended up leaving for like food related issues. The core of the program and the 12 steps and the recovery part of it is something that I will cherish forever. And I still... I still do the 12-step meditation book every single day. Like, Mm -hmm. I still do a lot of those habits that I formed every single day. And uh, I think the the gift of that program and a lot of recovery programs are introducing things like um, meditation and daily practices and changing your perspective to the one day at a time. Mm -hmm. And I think these are things that whether you're an addict or not or whether you have – living with one day at a time mentality in today's world is so helpful because I think most of our spiraling comes from, but what next and what next and what next? Mm -hmm. And like when you really give yourself the freedom to just live in the present, in the present, it frees you from so much mental weight. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, the, the core parts of that program. And the other, the other thing that I learned that was huge in that program was just showing up for myself, following through. I did exactly what I said I was going to do every single day. And that had been something that was completely foreign to me. I would make goals every single day and I would never even kind of do a single one of them. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden I was able to do exactly what I said I was going to do. And I think that that self-efficacy that's built through just following through for yourself is more important than anything. So there were specifics to this program that I did and I don't think any of those specifics actually mattered. I think it was more the habits, the mindset, and and that shift that, that really helped me the most. But that was like the catalyst to, to everything. And that yeah. was the vehicle to all the change. And I think that you have to be open to what that vehicle will be for you because mm-hmm. do I really think I was a food addict? Probably not. Yeah. But if I hadn't been willing to identify as that for a minute, I wouldn't have been open to that entire program. Yeah. And so you can get really closed off to solutions and opportunities and how things might be brought to you. And unless you're willing to open your mind and just try, you're going to miss out on possibly the thing that could save your life or change your life at the absolutely. very least. Yeah, absolutely. And being open to it, but also open to when, like, it's no longer serving you, exactly. you know? Like, I think we we oftentimes, like, find something that saves us and then we cling to it mm-hmm. and then it's no longer, like, helping us. Like, right. I feel like even with – especially with ways people – eat like Mm -hmm. identifying with a diet like even me and eating like plant-based vegan like I fully recognize like I hate that title just because I'm like I'll wake up one day and want it and like then what you know don't put yourself in a box no never 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 you have to give yourself like give yourself the space to evolve because you are going to change and you do your best for right now and then you know better and do better but even you know different and do different exactly and I love that like you know different and do different because what is better you know it's just you're at a different right. place. And I think whatever you're doing is perfect for your level of consciousness. You exactly. know, it's like, yeah, maybe in a year it's not going to serve you, but like right now it's great. Right. Yeah. But it can be scary when you find something that is helping you or is working for you. The thought of not having that anymore can be really scary or the letting yeah. go of it and transitioning out of it. And um, I like something someone said to me years ago was like, give yourself space to mourn 
what you're what you're leaving because when we we do something new or different even if we're getting better in a lot of ways or even if it's serving us in a lot of ways there's still going to be a part that you miss or Mm -hmm. there is still a loss anytime you change anytime you evolve when I look back at myself five years ago and I was in the lowest of lows there are still parts of that life and that part of me that like I was sad to let go of Mm -hmm. to allow for this change but Mm -hmm. I think we get caught up in like, but no, I'm better now. I'm doing better now. But like, it's okay to be like, no, I really did love like 2 a.m. Taco Bell Julie. Like that Mm -hmm. was like really fun for a minute. And so it's okay that like I'm sad to have Mm -hmm. lost that. And and just always, I don't know, just feel your feelings, you know? Mm -hmm. (laughs) However you feel about it is okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Coming off the food addiction, did you experience any of that? Or like what finally kind of like woke you up and be like, oh, it's actually okay. Did you transition into a new program or a type of healing modality or anything like that? I just got to a point where I felt it was a very like restrictive eating plan. You had to measure things, right? Yeah, it was it was extremely, extremely restrictive. And I think I never like to say anything negative about it because I feel like if people want to do it forever, that's awesome. It got to a point for me where I felt like it wasn't, it just didn't feel good inside of me anymore. Like <laughs> That's really what it was. And I, I got to a point where I had enough faith in myself and the changes that I had made that I was confident in being able to maintain the parts that were so beautiful and meaningful and needed for me and let go of the parts that I felt like were actually starting to sabotage me or harm me instead of and and that's the thing of being willing to take even a, a whole program or a whole religion or a whole whatever and be able to take the parts that you need and not have to commit to yeah this all everything can be a buffet everything take what you like yes mm-hmm. and I think we get really caught up in the all or nothing and we like the labels and we like the boxes because we Mm -hmm. like to identify ourselves as things. And we honestly like people telling us what to do. It's way more comfortable to have someone tell you what to do than have to figure it out And like give me the rules, give me the guidelines, Mm -hmm. I just want to follow it. And the more in touch with myself that I got and the more I was able to – and I trusted myself more because I had consistently been showing up for myself. I had – I knew that the things that I would decide to do were actually going to be good for me because when I was in that downward spiral, I didn't really trust myself. I didn't know. I I was like a loose cannon. I never knew what I was going to decide to do or Mm -hmm. if it would be good for me or not good for me. And when you learn to really trust yourself and believe yourself, you're able to be your own guide. And that Mm -hmm. sounds like cheesy but it really the more you work on this and the more you build your trust with yourself the more you can really stop subscribing to everything Mm -hmm. and just do what you want to do yeah and it's not that I always do exactly what I want to do there's a lot of my life that I don't want to do yeah but it's doing what I know is right for me okay and in accordance with what I value yeah do you feel like for you, there was something behind it all, like something you didn't want to look at? Because I sometimes feel like with compulsive behavior, it's like we're trying to avoid something. So whether it's like drugs or food or sugar or binging or purging or mm-hmm. shopping or whatever it is, like there's like something underneath that we don't want to look at. Do you feel like that was true for you or do you feel like it was just – I don't know, like a chemical imbalance or, you know, like I feel like people talk about like 
mental illness in terms of like it's a chemical imbalance and like I think it is that but do you feel like there was something that you were running from at all well I think it's an interesting because I chemical imbalance for sure especially with like the postpartum depression like I experienced it's like very hormonal and um but what I always the way that I like to think about me in particular is I had this postpartum depression which would have been and was treated with like medication but it sort of spiraled into circumstantial depression mm-hmm. uh, and I did not like having to face that maybe my behavior and my choices were causing some of it was very challenging for me yeah and so I think for a long time I just didn't I didn't want to fess up to that I didn't yeah. want to take that responsibility because I hurt a lot of people with those habits and it was a lot easier to say like, oh, this is just, it's not my fault. It's Mm -hmm. not my fault. Absolutely. And, but then I was only able to handle facing it when I was able to do it from a place of like, I am whole, I am worthy. Like, because facing hurting people and facing making a lot of bad decisions will ruin you if you're not doing it from a place of like inherent worth and Mm -hmm. wholeness because- it's very easy for me now to say, I did something wrong. I am not wrong. Like, mm-hmm. And when you're rooted in that place, you can start taking responsibility. And mm-hmm. so I think that that's really the big gift of all of it was that I am now able to take responsibility and, and do everything from a place of like, it doesn't change my worth. It doesn't change me, which that has been the theme of my whole, okay, let's just go here. Let's do it. Okay. So when I was like 17, I grew up in very traditional Mormon. You grew up on a farm too. Can we talk about that? (laughs) I love it. Mm -hmm. I think I've actually passed it down in Orem and I'm like, I'm pretty sure that's her farm. It's like idyllic. There's a red barn, isn't there? Yeah, there's a red barn. it's idyllic. My wedding was in that barn. Keep going. Yeah. So, um, but with like the traditional Mormon family, Mormon values, all of those things. And when I was a teenager, I was doing things with my boyfriend that were not acceptable, right? Absolutely. And I got to like my junior or senior year and I decided, okay, I want to go to BYU. So like I'll go do all the things to, you know. Mm -hmm. And I remember going through that process and feeling like I, so many issues here. (laughs) How many hours do you have? All of them. (laughs) But I feel like even at 17 in that place, I was being disciplined and not by my parents at all, but by the culture and the church and the, the things I had to go through. Mm-hmm. Um, I was being dis- disciplined disproportionately, I felt like, to what was actually going on. And then the hardest part for me was the boy that was equally involved, obviously, got none of what I got. Yeah, He got none of the... None of it. He didn't get the shame. He yeah. didn't get the actual consequences. He didn't get... Is it because he didn't go in and confess? He did. Oh, okay. He did. We went through the same process, but our um, consequences were dramatically different in yeah. every way. And I remember sitting in my bedroom, which I now live in again while we <laughs> wait for Full our house circle. to be <laughs> Yeah. But I remember sitting in my bedroom and having this moment of prayer where I felt so deeply that the way I was being made to feel was not true and that I 
there was nothing wrong with me and that I didn't need to do, I didn't need to suffer so much. I, I was suffering so much through the, the consequences that I was going through. Again, not really by my family because I was really good at keeping everything a secret from them. Mm-hmm. But the other, the other stuff. And I just remember feeling like no one should have to feel the way that I feel right now. Yeah. And this isn't a right way to feel. And in that moment, I felt like my entire life mission was to help women understand their worth mm-hmm. and to never feel the way that I was feeling right then. Mm-hmm. And I was 17. Yeah. And so I'm sitting there with this like, whoa, like, and I'm so grateful for that because I feel like in the, the culture of shame, a lot of people don't have that inherent voice in them that's saying like, this isn't right. You are right. Mm-hmm. Like you are good. You yeah. are whole. You are worthy. And that kind of just, that's, that became my life mission. And I feel like since I was 17, every single thing I've done has served that mission in a way. And it's like we said, when you know different, you do different. If you look at my history and my progression of why did I drop out of BYU and go to hair school? Because I felt called to go to hair school because I helped women. Mm-hmm. I helped women feel better about themselves. Yeah. And, but now looking back on that, I don't do hair at all anymore. And I'm like, that was it was such a surface. I, I've just gotten deeper and deeper and deeper, but it all has been trying to serve that one purpose. Do you feel like that you can see that in hindsight or even like in the moment, were you able to see that? Like even when you, like did you ever forget that like 17 year old on the bed, just like, I'm worthy, it's okay. Did you forget I forgot about that? that. I and totally like, forgot that after I had kids. Okay. That period where yeah. I, once I had kids, I I forgot that. I feel like there needs to be like coaches specifically for like postpartum. I I mean I haven't had kids so I don't know what it's like, but I that's like a heavy heavy right thing to go through and you have no clue what's going on. Not only do you have not like no clue, but you're expected to act like it's wonderful mm-hmm. all the time. And I know that that's changing and people are all like, oh, post your truth. Authentic. But it's not really helpful. Like, your dirty laundry doesn't really help me. Tell me how you want to get on a Greyhound bus and leave your family. Mm -hmm. Like, that's what helps me. I don't care if your house is dirty. I don't don't know. That's not where I find, like, my worth is in the cleanliness of my house. So I don't care if my house is dirty and I don't care if people see that. It's, like, in the, like, inner, like, ugliness. But that's (laughs) the thing. I feel like we've almost switched to, like, fake vulnerability oh absolutely people and then it makes you feel even worse because you're like well these people are claiming to be real and claiming to put it all out there and they're still not talking about the yeah, greyhound like, bus their car is so dirty what of it right like got I, I don't care or yeah you already feed your kids fast food okay cool like i want to hear about like and, and i don't need everyone to bleed for me on the internet right yeah but, but i mean if we could all just see that we have these like really scary not ugly but ugly rock bottoms right. to be like oh kind of like you were saying in your aa meetings of oh that wow right and like we love you still and it's fine yeah like shocking things right. like jarring but okay okay like, cool i love you and that's what because my oldest is eight now and so this was eight years ago like Social media was not anywhere. No one was talking about it at all. People yeah. talk about it a little bit more now, mm-hmm. but no one was talking about it then. And I remember after having him, people would say congratulations. And I was like, why are they congratulating me on the worst thing that's ever happened to me? Yeah. And that makes you feel terrible. Yeah. I mean, you feel awful that you don't like this or you don't like your child or you don't want to do this. Mm-hmm. But looking back on it a lot, when I think about postpartum depression, I'm like so much of it was 
the circumstances. It was winter. I didn't know what I was doing. I was young. I went from working full time to being in a house alone all the time with someone Mm -hmm. who doesn't talk back to me and no social media. People like to bag on social media. I think social media is the best gift to new moms in the world. It gives you connection. Connection. You constantly have a way to connect because I was alone on a farm in the winter with no car and a baby. Like tell me anyone who could handle that well. No one. Tell me anyone who would love that, you know? No. But I felt like like it was just me. And so, and there there were, it was complicated. There was like actual, you know, dark hormonal postpartum depression. But what, so much of it was circumstantial. And now when I see new moms, I'm like, they've been thrown into the ocean with no help and everyone saying, don't you love it out there? Mm-hmm. Isn't it great? And and I, I do like to give people the space to actually love it. I don't like to project my experience on everyone. But mm-hmm. it's just... Anyway, in that time, I did. I forgot because I had so much shame for the way that I felt about motherhood. Mm-hmm. I have never had that much shame. And that voice that was there when I was 17 saying, no, you're okay, didn't wasn't there. Yeah. And so I had no comfort because through everything else, when I was a teenager, I always just had this inherent like, yeah, but I'm good, but mm-hmm. I'm worthy, but it's fine. And that left me during that time. And I think that's why I spiraled so hard because I didn't have – that to fall back on I didn't Mm -hmm. have anything to fall back on yeah and so oh my goodness thank you for sharing that first of all I mean that's real like (laughs) I love hearing about it um do you feel like you woke up back to your purpose through the food addiction and that program but was it leaving Utah was it in Ohio when do you feel like you like woke up and you're like oh like this is okay I'm worthy this is okay right even with motherhood liking it more or not liking it more and being okay with it or when do you feel like you woke up to your worth I feel like after after I had my first baby I just then I started that's when I began chasing worth in places where I couldn't find it how, how did that's you what change I was chasing it? Like, like what how did that manifest that manifested in so many like physical like I just wanted to look better all the time yeah you like ran marathons right yeah I still do that but I do it from a healthier place yeah <laughs> but that's what and this is interesting because I feel like my husband and I were just talking about this with my eyelash extensions because mm-hmm. I started getting them again once we moved back here. Beautiful. And he was like, I thought that you had had like a come to Jesus moment on like, no, like you don't need this. And I'm like, oh, I know I don't need them now. It's a completely different. Yes. You can do the same things, but when the motivation is yes. different, it's a completely different experience. Isn't it interesting though how that happens? When because I've had the same things happen where I don't need this, I don't need this, I don't, and I like kind of take a break. Mm-hmm. And when I bring it back, someone will say something about it, and I'm like, no, 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 it's not the it's, same it's story. It's different now. Mm-hmm. It's different now. Yeah, and like yeah. I don't need them. So I don't need was, anything. Yeah. But it's okay to want them. There was a lot of like, um, I looked very different like I was very done up all of the time and I which is not none of these are bad things they were all just being used to fill me up and it it didn't happen Mm -hmm. and um that's really where like the food issues came in is like just wanting to feel better immediately so you know you eat the stuff that makes you feel comfortable or better Mm -hmm. and I had gone through the rabbit hole of that of just like seeking immediate gratification or um this is the other thing that I feel like is tricky because everyone tells moms to take time for themselves and self-care and blah, 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 blah. And I thought that I was doing that because I'm very good at being like, I don't want my kids. You take the kids. I'm going to go do something. Yeah. But I was going to roam Target or I was going out to eat or I was going to spend more money or I was going to do things that didn't actually help me at all. Mm-hmm. 
but it was a trick because when I'd hear these messages of take time for yourself, take time away for your kids, I'm like, I'm doing that and I'm a wreck. Like Mm -hmm. it's not helping. And, um, I started using Instagram in that way of like, validate me, validate me, validate me. And, um, what did that look like? Just outfit posts or what was it? Well, I've always like done that quote real thing and there's one post that always stands out to me. It was like 11 p.m. and I posted a picture of myself eating cookie dough in my car like in the middle of the night. And mm-hmm. I was like, this is what motherhood looks like, you know. And mm-hmm. everyone loved it, right? Like mm-hmm. the best response. And so it just – that was the problem is I would post these things. And people people love a hot mess on Instagram mm-hmm. because it makes them feel better about themselves. Yeah. And so I was getting so much validation from that. So it sort of just fueled all of the – the harmful habits that I was creating because it was like, well, people love it, you know? And so I was getting so much validation that way. Yeah. And I was very good at hair. I had a good clientele there. And I think that that is a good thing, except for that I was doing it very much like a look at me, look at me, Mm -hmm. look at me. And everything I did was a look at me. I decided to go back to BYU and finish my degree. And that was very much a look at me. I can do hair and I can go to college. Mm -hmm. And I did that same thing. Cause I'm like, I don't really want anyone to look at me and be like, oh, you did the beauty school route. Right. I was like, I'm going to get into BYU. (laughs) Right. Yeah, whatever. But But I learned like the whole time, cause I went to BYU for a year and then I went to hair school. And the whole time I was at hair school, I felt very, like I needed to tell every client I had like, well, I was at BYU before this Mm -hmm. like I'm smarter than here Mm -hmm. and then when I went back to BYU I needed everyone to think I was cooler than BYU so then every time I was like talking to anyone at BYU you'd be like oh but I went to hair school too I was like I just Mm -hmm. always need wherever I am to know that I'm better than them yeah in whatever way I find it yeah and just seeking any way that I'm insecure Mm -hmm. I need anyway so I think that I just went through a series of doing a lot of things for the wrong reasons and none of it worked Mm -hmm. and that continued for years until the rock bottom Mm -hmm. and then the rock bottom was like okay none of this stuff is working maybe it's actually and this is what I talk about by taking responsibility about making stupid choices right Mm -hmm. like and it's all about like when you're putting in one effort and you expect a different result like if I'm putting in the effort of midnight cookie dough which by the way I'm not at all shaming midnight cookie dough I feel fine if that's what you want to do I feel like it's all about your motivations, right? Absolutely. And so if you're eating midnight cookie dough because you can't deal with any of your feelings or face your life, that's a little bit different than like going out and having a good time and right. eating some midnight cookie dough. Right. But um, that's when I was like, oh, it doesn't all have to be fun. Like sometimes self-care is work mm-hmm. and it's not indulgent and you just have and, like, to. owning. You actually have to do the work. Mm-hmm. And it is really, really hard to mm-hmm. to face your feelings and to look at, and honestly, I blamed my religion for a lot of things because I was I got married young and I had kids young and then all of a sudden I wanted to not have a husband and kids. And so I was like, well, I only did it because my religion made me. Mm-hmm. And it was like at the end of the day, I still made those choices. It doesn't matter why I made them. They were mine and mm-hmm. I need to take responsibility for them. Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. So now do do the best you can with with what you've decided, but it doesn't serve me or anyone else for me to sit here and be like, well, I only got married and had kids because the religion made me, mm-hmm. you know? I, I think, okay, but you're still the person at the wheel. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter. I know that our, our upbringings and our religions and our culture, they all obviously have an impact on what we decide to do, but we have to take responsibility for making the decision, even if it was influenced, even if we've changed 
and we no longer subscribe to something we believed before, like it still is our job to take responsibility for the choices that we've made. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think that is true self-care because yeah, it's a lot easier to take bubble baths and spend $100 at Target and mm-hmm. eat cookie dough than look at all of the stuff we don't want to look at and right. actually sit with it. It's way easier right. to just like do self-care in right. terms of glitter and pink and all of that. Right. So I love that. That's beautiful and, and like powerful. still making place for your – like that indulgence can still exist. Yeah, it's it still can there, be that. But you have to treat it for what it is. You mm-hmm. can't go spend $100 at Target and actually expect it, – it will make you feel better for a minute. It's like mm-hmm. a hit, you know? Mm-hmm. It's like a quick fix and that's fine. And there are still times when I'm like, no, intentionally I want to watch Netflix for three hours. That mm-hmm. is what I want to do mm-hmm. right now. And that's fine. But, you know, again, the balance. Yeah. <laughs> the non-balance The balance. non-balance balance. I love that. Okay, so I don't know if it was in Ohio or was it New Hampshire where you lived? Connecticut. Connecticut. That you wrote a book. Oh, I did write a book. Talk to us about this book. What what was the catalyst for that? What it's was the called motivation? You Do You, a how-to. Mm-hmm. And the catalyst was basically taking everything, because everyone always asks me, because I, I just like to talk about like making your actions aligned with your values. And mm-hmm. that's what like contentment looks like. That's what peace looks like for me. But then everyone says, like, well, how do you know what your values are? How yeah. do you, you know? I actually wanted to ask you that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I finally just wrote, it's not a very long book. It's an ebook. It's basically just a guide that kind of walks you through the very base of a personal revolution and, mm-hmm. and even deciding what that looks like and, and what you even want and, um, and kind of how to get there. So I think we talk a lot about we, meaning me. It was only me. Um, <laughs> The self-care versus self-indulgence idea Mm -hmm. because that's what a lot of this was rooted in is just like convincing yourself that you're going to have to do the work and it's going to be uncomfortable. Um, And then just establishing what your values are. But I think going back to what we mentioned earlier, your values are not something that are never going to change. Mm -hmm. And you're not going to do this work one time and be like, this is what I value and then I'm never going to revisit this again. Like Mm -hmm. your values will shift, your priorities will shift. And the more space you allow for them to do so, the easier you're going to just find this transition and always be able to show up every single day. My values are different from day to day. I value Mm -hmm. different things today than I did yesterday. And I mean, there's going to be those core ones that are themes throughout your whole life, but um, phases of life change, your needs change, and being willing to adjust what you value. But I don't think people really look at values that way. They're kind of looked at as like these core things that never change. Mm -hmm. And there's also a lot of good and bad like associated with them. And if you just – I always like to use the example of being a morning person Mm -hmm. because I think culturally culturally it's praised to be a morning person. Totally. Early to bed, early to rise. Early to bed, early to rise. And I – you know, there are some scientific whatever that can back up that mentality or whatever. But if you hate mornings consistently there is no reason why you need to force yourself to be a morning person Mm -hmm. I get up really early usually and people are always like oh I don't know how you do that I wish I was a morning person I wish I could get up at five and I was like well I hate getting up at five but my priorities I need to like Mm -hmm. that's how I make my life work Mm -hmm. I am in no way better of a person for getting up at five than I am than someone who gets up at noon it Mm -hmm. just you can it's just all so relative and so if you consistently are putting this pressure on yourself of I need to wake up at five and you can't find 
a way to do it, it's usually because you don't value it. Mm -hmm. You don't actually want to be a morning person. You might think that you want to, but you don't actually value it. If time after time after time after time you are not hitting the mark, you are not getting up at five, chances are it's because you don't actually value it that much because you really valued it intrinsically. Mm -hmm. You'd find a way to make it happen. Mm -hmm. And there are there is that space where you do have to do uncomfortable things and sometimes you just have to work through it and sometimes you just have to do things you don't want to do to make things happen. But you you don't need to be a morning person. Mm-hmm. And if you give yourself that freedom, it also allows you to look at so-and-so who does get up at five and think, that's so great for her. And you don't feel any pressure to become that yourself. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest, biggest thing is the more established your values get, the more you allow other people to do the same. Mm-hmm. And you don't feel any pressure to convert people or pressure people or change people and you don't feel that pressure back from them you don't see someone doing something and think oh I should do I should do that because if you do then great figure it out but you don't have to Mm -hmm. and when you're always living needing other people to validate your values Mm -hmm. you're needing something from every interaction every relationship you have you're wanting something back from them and when you don't need that validation anymore you can go into relationships purely as a giver. You can just give them what they need and it's not about you. You don't need anything from them. You're just, you can, you can give. Right. I love that. That's beautiful. And yeah, you're not going to should others. Others hopefully won't should you. Do you feel like as you have more authentically been living your values, do you feel like without shame, without wanting validation, do you feel like others respond differently just because you're, there's oh, like for sure. there's like no fear behind it for sure. I feel like I just feel like it's a really dangerous game. When you mentioned you know the plant based vegan, I feel like my year of a hundred percent quote clean eating. The worst part of all of that was that I really did think that I was better than other people. Mm-hmm. I thought that I was doing things better, and when people were suffering, my first thought was like, well, you should eat like me, mm-hmm. and you wouldn't be suffering. Yeah, and mm-hmm. like what a shitty way to think. Like, I don't want that. Like, I don't want those to be my interactions Mm -hmm. of me being like, well, you should be doing more of what Mm -hmm. I'm doing. Like, oh. Should is like deadly. Mm -hmm. And and just like what a gross way to see the world Mm -hmm. as yourself superior and everyone else who's suffering if they were only more like you. Yeah. Like, that's just, oh, it's so gross to me. Absolutely. And now, like, I can most of my best friends have lifestyles very different than me and they make choices extremely different than what I choose to do. And we can have conversations where it's nothing but true support. And it's not like a, I'm not going to judge her. It's like a, I really genuinely want you to do what is best for you. Mm-hmm. And I don't believe that the same solution ever works for two people. Right. And I think that someone can look at the way I choose to do things and maybe think, oh, I like that. And they can take what they want from it. But never am I ever even kind of wanting to convert someone to my way of life or my Mm -hmm. way of thinking because I don't actually think that it will serve them. Yeah. I feel the same way when you brought up plant-based eating. It's not for everyone. And maybe it's not always going to be for me. Right. So I I always get kind of uncomfortable when people message me and want to know like the exact recipe of my day. I'm like, oh, figure it out for yourself. Because what works for me isn't going to work for you. Exactly. It's not the best. It's not the best for my husband. Like he loves eating meat and cheese. And I can't shut him. Right. I buy eggs for him. I buy, you know, no, it's not the best for everyone. No. And when you actually see the world that you're just like your relationships just open up Mm -hmm. and you're able to give so much and you're able to connect with people in a way that is 
so genuine. Yeah. And you're just not taking from people mm-hmm. anymore. Yeah. And I, I don't think, I think that it's sort of, a lot of people like to say like, you know, acceptance. Oh, I love everyone. I don't judge anyone. But like, no, like really, really, I don't think that anyone should do things my way. Mm-hmm. I mean, unless they really want to and it mm-hmm. serves them. But we don't know anyone else's experience fully. So how can we ever know what will help them? Totally. And I think everyone wants a platform right now talking about what they're doing and why it's working. And mm-hmm. But when you really think about it, everyone's just wanting something from you. Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting and it's draining. And I have seen firsthand how I am able, the level of connection that I'm able to have with people now, it's because they feel completely safe to say or be or do whatever they want because it's fine. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's more than fine. It's like, I genuinely want you to do something different than me because it's not gonna, it's just not gonna work. Yeah. Everyone listening right now, like what we're saying, question everything. I always say that when people message me, I'm like, this works for me, but question everything I say. Right. It does not need to be right for right. you. Like, it's right for me, but right. like, maybe it's not. You do not have to agree with what I say. Question right. everything you right. listen to. Life is a buffet. Take what works for you. Right, because if you've been getting up, forcing yourself to get up at 5 a.m. every day for six months, and you're tired and irritable, and you hate your life, and you dread every day, you're not a morning person. Mm-hmm. Like, and it's okay. Mm-hmm. And you can find other ways to be just as productive and well and mm-hmm. everything else doing it your way mm-hmm. but you have to give yourself the freedom to actually explore it and when people say how do I know what I value try it mm-hmm. and see how it feels for you mm-hmm. and the more you can release yourself from needing other people to validate what you're doing everyone always says that stupid line of like the more you love your choices the less you need other people to but I would argue like the only way you'll actually know what you value is when you're not attaching even your own this is good, this is bad mm-hmm. type of thinking to your choices because... How do you feel like people do that though if they're in like an overly religious community? Because I mean, we are. Like we are. <laughs> but also everyone's kind of in the soup. We're all like yeah. living in societies that tell us what to do. So like good, bad, better, well, and best. It's like, like how a slippery do you... slope because like there are things that are... I mean, it has to end somewhere. I don't think everything is relative. I do think there are some things that are bad in the world like and bad to do. Um, but I, I think we apply it a little bit to, to the small stuff of like, you know, eating good or bad. And I, I think choosing how to eat and the relationships people have with food are actually like really interesting to contrast with like religious beliefs. And I I think it all like kind of ties together. Mm Um, I, I, I don't know. I feel like. It's just more of that when you start to hear yourself. Because I think a lot of people can't even hear themselves. Mm -hmm. They're living to so many projected, subscribed ways of living that they don't even... A lot of people haven't even stopped. The first step is to stop and ask yourself, does this actually serve me? Mm -hmm. Like, is this actually good for me? And... Because a lot of us haven't even, we've just been told that certain things are good for so long. And our minds are busy because things that we're told are good are contradicting. Mm-hmm. So is it like, do I eat keto or do I eat this way? Okay. Or like, you can't do both. Right. So like, they contradict each right. other. Or like, like, do I stay home yeah. with my kids or do I go get the career that I feel like mm-hmm. I'm called to do? Like, um, there's all of these, they will conflict a yeah. lot. 
Because and it's just busy, busy. Last night, I feel like there's that cheesy thing people say, my life is like my computer with too many tabs open. <laughs> yeah. But last night, I was genuinely like sitting on my yoga mat, just my mind, it felt like that. And like, I was like visualizing just closing, like X, yes. X, X, X. And I'm like, okay, now it's just me. And it was like quiet. Just to like get to that place of no right. background noise from anyone else. Like, what do I think? What do right. I want? And just how does it feel? Yeah. Like, how does doing this one thing feel? Mm-hmm. And when it, if it doesn't feel good to us and it's something that we are told should feel good, mm-hmm. just letting yourself explore that. What is it about this that doesn't feel good? Because mm-hmm. like we said, we can come back to the very same action sometimes. And like for a long time, I convinced myself, not only did I need to get out on a Greyhound bus, that was like early on. It spiraled yeah. way worse. Like <laughs> yeah. I got to get divorced. I, I have to do all of these things. Mm-hmm. I have to leave my church. Mm-hmm. I have to, and it was so big and scary and like, mm-hmm. okay, to be my authentic self, I have to do all of these big earth shattering things. And as soon as I just kind of was like, maybe you do. Mm-hmm. I suddenly was like, oh, but actually. Do I want to? I don't want to be divorced and leave my kids. Like mm-hmm. I do, I do want my family together. Mm-hmm. And I don't want to, you know, you can just, but I just needed to get there without feeling forced to be there mm-hmm. or get there without feeling I was only doing it because I had to. That feeling of being trapped, which I think is the theme of my entire life. And a lot of people who come from like a religious background, I feel like, feel this constant, like you have to do this, you should do this, you're trapped. I, I don't know. I felt trapped for a lot of my life. And um, just like let yourself mentally explore why it does or does not feel good and why are you doing it? What's the motivation behind it? And a lot of times you'll end up back in the very same place, but you're suddenly happy to be there mm-hmm. and you feel safe being there and you feel authentic being there. Whereas mm-hmm. before it was all a disaster. Do you feel like what you were just saying about all of a sudden you felt safe and happy in the same situation coming at it from a different mindset? Has that happened to you with motherhood? Because it's that's such a thick, heavy ooh, condition should. Of, you're a girl. You're going to be a mom and you should like it and you should stay at home. It's going to be your greatest calling, your greatest joy. And like, right. how do you deal with that value that we've been taught to value, but maybe not all of us do value. Right. And maybe we find ourselves with kids. Right. How do you, like, how did you deal that's with that? That's a funny thing. I feel like everyone, like, assumes like if you have kids that you're like oh this is what you always wanted like, no sometimes we just end up here mm-hmm. but um I think being able to reframe motherhood is what has helped me and just understanding it is a role and for a long time because of the way that I felt about motherhood I convinced myself that I didn't love my kids and mm-hmm. then it was like so much shame right like yeah. what mother does not love her children yeah when that is not, it couldn't be further from the truth. Mm-hmm. I love my kids so much. I'm obsessed with them. It's definitely gotten so much easier for me. My youngest is turning four tomorrow. I don't do well with toddlers and babies. Mm-hmm. They want something from me all the time. Mm-hmm. They're obnoxious. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know why we aren't allowed. To, like, kids are annoying. They are. <laughs> like, I want personal space. I want to. I want my own time. I want to mentally not have to be fake interested in everything you're rambling mm-hmm. about all the time. Like... It's normal to feel these feelings, but because it's not really normalized, I just felt like, wow, I don't love my kids, Mm -hmm. and I hate motherhood. Mm -hmm. And 
what, which I've talked about this before of like when I really understood like the paperwork of motherhood versus what motherhood is. I don't like cleaning up after people. I don't like cooking for people. I don't like running my kids around in my car. That's the paperwork of motherhood. It comes with a job, but we all have parts of our jobs that we don't like doing. Mm -hmm. But with motherhood, it's like this all encompassing everything. It's fine that I hate those parts of it. My children as people and getting to connect with them and that's different and I do love that. But I will say, even if you don't love that, it's okay too. Mm -hmm. But I have been able to find bits and pieces where I'm like, oh, I really do like this. Last weekend, uh, my husband had gone to bed and my youngest had gone to bed and I'm very like, you know, you should put your kids to bed on time. So my two oldest, I was like, okay, let's go to bed. And they're like, ah, do we have to? And I was like, yeah, maybe not. And we like... We You're questioning up. that too. Yeah. yeah, we just stayed up making stupid music videos with each other on my phone. And we were just belly laughing. And I had been in like a really hard place. And it was like out of the last two weeks, that is the highlight of – and it was because I dropped what I should be as a mother, right? Like, oh, I should put them to bed. I mm-hmm. should discipline them. I should – and I just showed up myself. Allison, I work for Allison Faulkner. Mm-hmm. And she wrote a post on Instagram a few weeks ago that I re- loved so much of – Show up as yourself in motherhood. You don't Mm -hmm. have to alter, like, alter yourself into this new person. It's just, like, how do you act in your life? Take that into motherhood. Mm -hmm. And in my life, I don't really like a lot of restriction, and I'm pretty, like, inappropriate, and it's Mm -hmm. fine. And taking that into motherhood and making music videos with trolls with my kids for a few hours, like, that's how I found joy in it. And Mm -hmm. you can't do that all the time, obviously. Like, there has to be the structure and the you have to be a parent still mm-hmm. but there are probably parts even if they're very few and fleeting that you do connect with or that you do like and just being able to mentally separate the stuff that you, the paperwork versus what actually it is mm-hmm. and then just giving yourself the space to be like oh they're annoying mm-hmm. I don't want to do this mm-hmm. like that's fine and how do you give yourself a break when you're feeling that or when you're like, just needing space or time or how do you instead of getting a sitter and maybe it's just that idea of it's different now like if you do go to target now and just like roam it's different how do you get your I found it really helpful to go um actually invest my attention in something so like when I went back to college that was the good thing that it taught me of like I was taking that time away from my kids and I was learning Mm -hmm. I was doing something and so I think finding a hobby like if you will ask a lot of women and this is not to their discredit I, I feel like it is real if you have several small children it is very real that you don't actually have like five minutes to do anything in your life mm-hmm. and people always say that you should make time it can feel very suffocating like you don't even have the ability to make that time mm-hmm. um so if you ask them like what do you like to do they're like what do I like to do I don't know exist like mm-hmm. I don't know what I like to do but if you can find even a small hobby or something that you can put your time in that feels enriching for you. And so you're not just tuning out, but you're actually tuning into something different that's not them and not your kids and people don't need something from you. I think that that's the biggest way to like actually come back to your house feeling like, okay, because you actually did something to fill you up mm-hmm. instead of just drain more, you mm-hmm. know? And so finding that thing that you can go invest in a little bit even if it's small, um, but so you come back, if you come back to your house and you're still just like, oh, I can't do this, 
you need to just find a way to fill yourself up a little bit more. And like for me, that's what work is. I, mm-hmm. I love my kids so much more now because I can come home to them mm-hmm. having felt like I was my own person all day. Mm-hmm. And I don't think that everyone needs that. But for me, like I have that in my marriage too. I need so much identity. I know you mentioned me changing my name back to my baby name. Yes, I love it. Like that was – I need... Did you legally change it or just no, like for... I just use it. Yeah. I didn't... Too much paperwork. Mm-hmm. I that's, how, that's how I felt about changing my name to yeah. my married name. I'm like, I'll just be my maiden forever. It was one of those things. Too I was like work. 12 when I got married. It was one of those things where I was like, oh, I don't really want to change my name. and But that it's what but everyone did. it's what did. you do. It's what everyone did, yeah. you know? And so... But now it's 10 years later and it's like, I don't want to go through the headache of changing everything back. Mm-hmm. And it is complicated when your kids don't have your last... Like, I want my kids to have my last name. So then, anyway, it's whatever. But it's helped me a lot to just take that back. In a professional setting, mm-hmm. I have my maiden name. Mm-hmm. And that, it's just these little things. But, like, it's very important for me to feel like my own person and my own identity. I think a lot of that is because I got married so young. I've never been a grown-up without mm-hmm. a husband and kids, basically. Yeah. yeah. And so it's learning how to find that where I can. And that's the other thing of... When I started feeling this way, I thought, okay, abandon my family. That's the only way. It's the Mm -hmm. only way to get my life back. It's the Mm -hmm. only way to get my identity back. I don't want that. I didn't want that. Mm -hmm. You wanted freedom. I wanted wanted, freedom. Yeah. And I wanted identity. Mm -hmm. And I have found ways to get that now Mm -hmm. in a way that I like how it looks because I don't really want to abandon my family. Yeah. But I needed to let myself want to abandon my family Mm -hmm. to to to, learn that I didn't. Yeah, to realize like, yeah, (laughs) actually maybe I don't and – Right. Yeah. So to it's go funny there. because I always, I mean, my whole platform and most of my early writing jobs were all on motherhood, mm-hmm. which was so funny because it was like, it was the thing that I wanted to distance myself from. And mm-hmm. then it became the catalyst for my career, basically. Right. Um, but I, I think just letting it, it's just like anything else. Let it look like for you what you need it to look like. And mm-hmm. don't subscribe to all of the ways that you should feel about it or you should enjoy it or not enjoy it. Anyone who loves not sleeping and constantly being needed by someone and constantly being whined at and says they like it is lying. Mm-hmm. They might like being a mom. They don't like that part of it. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's like extreme forms of torture being used on you all of the time. Yeah. And it's normal to, to not love that. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Okay, one more question before we do some final like beauty questions because I love that. So you were in Connecticut Mm -hmm. and you just recently, like maybe a month ago? Yeah, a month. Came back to Utah? Yes. So was that scary? Was it scary to come back to your place of origin and all of that that the community here encompasses? I was in such a bad place before. Like basically it was like two months before we moved away from Utah. I began this whole process. Mm -hmm. But that means four years of the four years and two months that I've been working on this stuff was not done here. Mm -hmm. And I felt like the culture here really attributed to a lot of my pain. And so it was scary being like, okay, I know that I have come so far and that I have done all of this work, but when I get back in that setting, is it all just going to crumble away? And am I going to just become that person? And it's been so... We, we we did a lot of, like, soul-searching about it because we were like, I was not okay before. Mm-hmm. And so as much as I wanted my job here because we moved here for my job and as much as we felt like it was a good thing to do, I was like, if it's going to destroy me again, like, if I'm not confident in these changes that I've made, then we can't do that because mm-hmm. I can't put my family through how low-functioning I was, mm-hmm. you know? 
And so I came back, which I think is when we chatted a few, I came back in February for like a job interview and I stayed for a whole week because my husband was like, just see how you feel, like Mm -hmm. see if you can handle it. And I was overwhelmed by like, yeah, I think, I think I can do this. Mm -hmm. I think I can do this. And since we've been back in the last month, it's my favorite part of it has been how differently I see this place now. And it's a testament to just that change in perspective, which people talk about, but it's so powerful because before I saw this place as a suffocating culture that was ruining me Mm -hmm. and whatever you look for, you find. And Mm -hmm. so I could see so much evidence about how this culture made me this way and this pressure made me this way. Mm -hmm. And now I'm back here and I do think Utah County should get some props because I feel like they've made progress in the last four years. Leaps and bounds. Leaps and bounds. I do think they've, but I... But maybe it's how you're viewing but it But maybe it's too, how yeah. I'm viewing it. I was talking to my friend last week and I was like, is this place so much better or am I just so much better? Mm-hmm. And I think it's a combination of both. I really mm-hmm. do feel like good things are happening here. And that's one of the draws back to here to me is similar to when I was 17 and I like wanted to write a book on helping teenagers get through sexual mm-hmm. shame. Mm-hmm. It's kind of that. Like I want to come back here and help people endure what they're feeling here. Yeah. And come out of it okay but I I've been nothing but pleased like everything has been really great and I have felt just really grateful to be here and I think that's the other thing I'm very grateful to be by my family again and before I was like oh we have so much family here and I'm grateful for all of everything and I think I'm just coming at it with so much gratitude that suddenly it's like oh what a wonderful place to live instead Mm -hmm. of like what a toxic terrible and that would be my challenge is if you are in a situation that you're constantly calling toxic and awful and you're creating the toxicity yourself mm-hmm. and you're not going to escape that toxicity unless you stop talking about it that way. Mm-hmm. So even if Utah County starts to break me, I refuse to talk about it in yeah. that context because it really is what you make it and you can find – and that's the other answer. We move from here to Ohio – And Ohio is suddenly, like, the best place in the world to me. I'm Mm -hmm. like, everyone should live in Ohio. The people are incredible. The thing, and it's, I'm like, it was all just how I was viewing Mm -hmm. the world. Like, that's... Everything's a mirror. Yeah. Yeah. And so I will never say, I I talk about Columbus, Ohio, like it's heaven. Mm -hmm. Because I had a heavenly experience there. Mm -hmm. And I I think that it's just so much of, you know, what you choose to see and what you choose to create. Mm -hmm. But I do think I had a strong feeling when we came back of how important it would be for me to go back to kind of my roots of these changes and cling to those habits that I started four years ago. Because it's healing. It's very healing. Mm -hmm. And as you get, like anything, when you do something for years, you start to just get kind of cocky. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't need that stuff. Like, I'm fine. Mm -hmm. And I did feel a very strong feeling of like, you're going to need to work to to maintain this. And so what I've been trying to do I love that yeah and just coming full circle with healing it's like being in addiction recovery and them telling you like sugar's bad sugar's bad sugar's bad but then to like have it and be like oh I'm okay okay. I'm okay and like it's not the same I'm not the same and it's all okay to come back to Utah and be like oh it's okay right I'm okay and I think that's everything to do whatever I did in high school and be like well no I did those things everyone told me would destroy my soul Mm -hmm. and I'm not destroyed. I'm yeah, okay. Totally. And just everything to come back and to always understand like 
you are going to keep existing. You're going to keep going. Mm-hmm. I was joking because I just kept telling myself the last few months have been a little hectic selling our house and getting here and starting a new job. And mm-hmm. I've been just uncomfortable every day of my life. And that's draining. And mm-hmm. I just kept telling myself and everyone kept telling me like, everything's going to work out. Everything's going to be okay. And I'm like, I know it will, but at what cost? Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> yeah. how much suffering before and what it's is okay? okay? Yeah. yeah. Okay. is relative. Yeah. So if you're telling yourself everything's going to be okay, but I think that is a good perspective. Like the world is going to keep turning. Mm-hmm. You are going to continue going on no matter what. Sometimes at a higher cost of suffering than other times, but mm-hmm. you will continue and yeah. it will be okay eventually somehow. Right. Some, sense, you just some sense of the word. Ride the waves. Yes. Some are going to be like big. Keep riding the waves because yes. it'll even out. Um, wait, one more question. I just keep thinking of things. No, I'm like, fine. oh, I love your perspective on everything. With your kids coming back here to Utah and everything you've experienced here and all of that, have you instilled in them like a sense of don't let people should you? Mm-hmm. Do do you feel like they're not going to come at it from the same perspective because they're able to decide for themselves what they value? Yeah, I think you have to have confidence in what you can create in your own kids. I also feel like I always think about um, like I had great parents who did their very best and I they did a good job. Mm-hmm. But even so, I have things where I'm like now just discovering like, mm, that was messed up. Or like this issue I have now definitely came from that when I was mm-hmm. little. But it's made me realize now as a parent, I'm doing my very best. And regardless, my kids 20 gonna, years from now are going to have like, to reparent themselves oh, a little My bit. mom did this mm-hmm. and it totally screwed me up. And, and that's like hard as a parent to be like, no, but I'm doing my best. And yeah. I, I think especially when you have like good parents who tried their best, it's not as like if you have abuse or something that's like easy to be like, yeah, that was bad. Mm -hmm. But I had good parents who tried their best. And so it's only now that I'm kind of unpacking like, oh no, that was, that was weird or that was different or that was challenging. And knowing that I'm doing that to my own kids, Mm -hmm. no matter how hard I try. Like, um, so I never will take credit for the good or the bad in my kids. <laughs> like, like they're just the them. things that they do that are great. I definitely don't take credit for, but I also try not to beat myself up when they do the things that aren't great. Cause we're mm-hmm. just doing our best and we're all going to screw our kids up anyway. So totally. you might as well just do your best and make music videos at 11 PM. Absolutely. That's all you can do. I love it. But I think one thing that, um, you're going to find my son was bullied in Connecticut, right? There's the good and the bad everywhere. Mm-hmm. And they're going to have those influences no matter what. And I was talking with a friend at work last week about how we actually do feel like there is sort of a kindness in Utah. Like people, I think it gets trickier as they get older, but at least in children, I feel like there is a kindness here. And that's what I'm trying to teach them to do is pull the good from the culture and pull the good from from what we see here. And I know there's people listening who are like, oh, kindness in Utah. No, people are terrible. Like we all have our own experiences, but – my my kids, my son specifically was bullied terribly in Ohio and Connecticut, right? And that was, it's just going to happen anywhere. And mm-hmm. they're going to get toxic things anywhere. Yeah. And I feel like it's our job to teach them to find the good and to be the good and to do your, the best you can. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. And I think it's also our job to work for the change that we want to see in our culture. And that's mm-hmm. one reason like you can't just be complacent and complain about where you live if there's problems find a way to contribute to the change and find mm-hmm. a way to create something better for what you want to see because yeah. instead of just focusing on the problems and complaining right about and the then problems. not doing anything about yeah. it stop talking about what how sucky it is and go just do because something. yeah you're gonna put energy into that yes. of like how much you hate it i remember a mother Teresa quote 
I don't, I'm not going to repeat it verbatim because I don't remember, but it was like, I'm never going to attend an anti-war rally. I'll attend like a love rally. Mm-hmm. It's just like, put the energy Where into what, put the focus yeah, on. yeah, you could do something like anti or like, I hate this so much. That's energy spent, you know, like put it right. towards something you love. Right. Okay. Well, I love that. Um, What's new and exciting in your life right now? You're working. Yes. I work Has for the Allison good? Show. It's been really good. She's been very kind. You know what I loved? Um, a post that I was reading of yours. Um, I can't remember when you posted it, but it was something about, it was like, Allison came to me the other day and she was like, what do you want your life to be or something? Like, <laughs> what do you want your everyday to look like? And it was this realization that you're like, I don't want to be the boss. Like, I don't want to be in the spotlight. Like, yeah. I want to work. Like, I want to, like, work for a cause and, like, help this cause. Right. But I don't need to be this thing that everyone tells me I need to be. This, right. like, entrepreneur, this influencer, my own brand. Right. Yeah. Well, because I realized I can still have a voice but have it amplified other places. And I yeah. don't need it to be my face and my, you know, it doesn't need to be my own platform. Mm -hmm. And stemming from that 17 year old goal, you know, I did hair for a while to help women find their worth. And I did whatever. I was a trainer for a while to help people find their worth. And I've worked in nutrition to help people. And it's like none of that. I feel like all of it has. And then I was in grad school to be a therapist Mm -hmm. when Allison called me and I dropped out of grad school because I was like, yeah, this is lighting me up now. Like, Mm -hmm. no, I don't, I don't want, I, I I don't want to do that. And Mm -hmm. I think I do have like a gift for connecting with people and helping people that way. And so the natural progression was like, well, I better be a therapist then because this is what I'm good at. So mm-hmm. I'm going to go do that and then I'll have my own this. Mm-hmm. And I just. And then you'll have like the license. Like I'm going to have a license to, to yep. like help people. And, and so I'll people have the, take me seriously. People take me seriously. I can be trusted yeah. because I have, you know, done, jumped through the hoops, done the thing, paid the money. Yeah. And it was already not feeling great. And then the stars just sort of the way that I got this job really does feel like the universe like just threw me here Mm -hmm. but um when she asked me that question it was very much like a I want to go and I'm actually going to share about my my pink velvet chair story but I I wrote a list of what I actually wanted my day to look like Mm -hmm. and I was like I want to go to an office outside of my house and I want to do work that I feel like matters Mm -hmm. and I want to go home and be done Mm-hmm. And that's it. Yeah. And I mean, there were some more specifics in there, but I had listed and I want to sit in a pink velvet chair. Mm-hmm. And then last week, no one knew about that. It was like in my journal, like yeah. the secret. And then last week at work, Allison gave me a pink velvet no chair. No way. Yeah. I she love like, manifestation here's stories your, like, like Here's your desk chair. And I was like, is that pink velvet? Like a hundred percent that line is written in my journal magical. and no one on the world has read it or heard yeah. it. And anyway, it's just so many full circle, like, yeah, I oh my word. Synchronicities like but that. just like that pressure of, I thought to be important and to have my voice be heard and to fulfill that mission of helping women find their worth. I had to create all of these things and do all these things and have these titles, have the titles, have the certifications, have the qualification, have people think that I was good enough to be mm-hmm. doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Cause that's a big part of it. Like I feel like, I can already create super helpful content that is really helpful to people. And it just comes from you. And yeah. Like sometimes I feel like when we go to school because we think we need to have that thing, we unlearn what we innately know and like what our magic is. Yes. Yeah. But because I'm only sharing from my experience, I was like, well, you know, what credibility do I have and what? And so I was chasing this whole expensive, time-consuming, crazy grad school route. And it was like, just kidding. No, Mm -hmm. like I'm not. And power in that of like, just kidding, like not anymore. And like, right. Well, and if I had been so stubborn of like, no, I started this, so I Mm -hmm. better finish it. And what are people going to think if I say that I quit? Because everyone, again, that validation, when I said I was going to grad school, it was like, 
yeah, look at me. I'm like this mom going back to grad school. I'm so great. I got so much validation. So, so, so much. Mm -hmm. And it's disappointing to people when you're, or it's affirming to the people that hate you, which is Mm -hmm. even more painful. Yeah. (laughs) But I mean, when you don't care, you don't care. But you don't care. Yeah. And it was just like, oh wait, never mind. And then we turned our life upside down and now we're here and, but it's all just felt so right along the way. Beautiful. I love that. Thank you, Julie. Yes. Can I ask you a couple of beauty questions? Yes. Because I freaking love beauty. Right now, Julie's wearing an orange lip that I love so it's much. Like no, it's beautiful and you're rocking it. Um, What is your holy grail most favorite beauty product you own? Okay. And it can be like your most purchased one too. It's kind of a new one. Okay. I'm excited. When I was leaving Connecticut a month ago, my friend gave me like a sample of it as yeah. like a goodbye present. And it is my favorite thing, especially coming here because it's so dry. Mm-hmm. and I was living in humidity and the only good thing about humidity is like my skin was so good mm-hmm. but it's the beauty counter brightening oil really it's good it's so good like it's just like I put it on every morning I think you can mix it with your moisturizer but I've just been using it straight like just oil on my face mm-hmm. and like none of the flaky dry I have super dry skin me too and then it just like illuminates like I feel like I look so alive all the time mm-hmm. it's been my favorite favorite thing I love that I've only I want to try beauty counter stuff have you have you tried anything else I've tried a lot of it and a lot of it isn't my favorite yeah see that's how my only experience I'm like hmm like I don't know about that and I yeah and I don't really like like exclusive buying experiences like that I'm like I like to like anyways but other people like rave about it and so so I haven't loved like a lot of the things that I've tried but this oil like I just ordered like another full-size bottle like I am obsessed with it it like and I've tried a lot of oils, I feel like, and this one is my favorite. Illuminating oil, right? I think it's brightening. Oh, brightening oil. Yes, brightening oil. Okay, perfect. Um, next question. What's the best beauty tip you've ever received? Or like a weird beauty trick that just works for you? Um, Advice or a trick? Trying to think. I think it's been just to use my son's gel on my eyebrows. Ooh, do you use like a spoolie yeah, to brush them? to just brush them and mm-hmm. use that. And I don't go buy any special brow product or mm-hmm. anything. It's just that. I feel like that, that kind gel. of stuff is magic. Like have a spoolie and use like gel or yeah. pomade or like soap even. Yes. Like what? So- like I just feel like like a bar of soap. Yeah, like yeah, you don't need a like, gel. Yeah, mm-hmm. you just go to what you have. And- I love that. Okay. Um, what is like looking back at pictures I do this all the time to me and I love all the old versions of me but what's your biggest beauty blunder like you wish you could take back like it was just talking to my my friend my best friend from hair school just still we do each other's hair and she was doing my hair this week and we were talking about because hair school is like such a sweet sad experimental time where you're just like let's try this and let's Mm -hmm. try this but that phase where the top was like platinum and the back was like black yes and I had like that steep A line. And so the back of my head like looked a like window. a black yeah. triangle with the platinum on uh-huh. top of it and like dog ear sides. Yeah. I was so into it. Like if you go back through my Facebook profile pictures, that's like my picture like several times because yeah. I thought it was so good. And was it very like angular? Yes. Was it, was it very like kind angular, of like very harsh? Chinese like anime or Japanese yeah. anime? And then like, yeah, I had bangs with it. And then you'd turn my head and just be like this black. I'm dying. Ah, that's beautiful. (laughs) Okay, last question. Who is your like biggest girl crush? Like your 
biggest beauty expander that when you see them, you're like, oh my goodness, I want to be more like them. Do you have one? It's Lex from Dress and Lala. <sighs> she's amazing. Which I think she's probably uncomfortable with the level of fangirl that I am of her because I <laughs> tell her all the time and she's probably like, oh, Anything she does, I'm like, I need pink hair. But everything yeah. she does and like it goes deeper than that because like I just feel like she's giving people like her gift mm-hmm. of like making them feel awesome through what they wear Mm -hmm. but like as someone who's always I'm not super great at styling things but I always want to look different like I don't want to look like everybody else but I tend to look like everybody else because I'm like I don't know what else (laughs) to do so like I'll go just buy what's in the stores and Mm -hmm. like do the best but she's given me this place where it's like this is so Everything cool. Everything is different. And she styles it. She has it. a great eye, so she's always picking she up has, stuff from market yes. that you can't find other she places. Like, yeah, you can't find it anywhere else. And then she styles it, and so I just buy it, and I'm wearing her outfit right now. And it looks great. I just great. buy it as she presents it to me, and I hit checkout yesterday, my husband's like, what do you use PayPal on so much? Mm-hmm. I'm like, dressing Lala. That's what uh-huh. I use it on so much. But I just feel like as a person, as a business owner, her mission, like well, she's just giving a gift to everyone. Totally. And yeah. I love her. And my daughter's name is Lex. And I, I just. I love her. Yeah. I need I to have her. her on the podcast. You do. I feel like we'll do like lunch Tell her every to be my best while. friend. I will. Because I am <laughs> such a super fan. Yeah, she's the best. Yeah, I need her on. We'll talk about all things like female empowerment and entrepreneurship Yeah, she's and just everything. done such a good job. And yeah. I feel like she gives and people cool like, how far she's grown because I met her like I don't know year couple years ago and I was on one of her shoots just back when okay, she was yes. starting starting and then she did like um she was on like the news like for Good Things Utah or something and she had me come on and okay. so I feel like I've seen her just like blossom but I'm I like you are a big deal Lex before she started her shop she was like a stylist for another company yeah <clears throat> and it was like not a cute company that's so rude but like not her was it a leggings company yeah yeah and so randomly the photographer was someone I had worked with anyway I was vacationing in Utah and my the photographer messaged me and she's like hey we need like a model can you and I am not even by a stretch I'm not either a model and so I was like uh sure so I tried it. It was the most awkward day of my life I don't think they could even use any of the photos because I'm so awkward like that's they couldn't even word. make me usable but Lex was a stylist on that shoot, and I met her that day, and she was she made me feel so cool. I was wearing not cool clothes, mm-hmm. but, like, the way she talked to me, and, like, I've just never forgotten her. And so I, like, Instagram stalked her and started following her personal account back then just because I was like, I love the way this girl made me feel. Mm-hmm. And then now she knows why my love runs so deep. It goes – she probably didn't even remember meeting me that day. But anyway, so I started following her personal, and so then when she started the shop, I was like, oh – and then I, I just have been in love with her. Mm-hmm. And she just has a gift of, like, giving people permission to wear things that you mm-hmm. don't – I always say pulling it off as a state of mind because yeah. I always wear things I don't know if they really work or not. You're like, I'm going to do it anyways. But, like, she just gives you permission to, like, mm-hmm. wear the badass shirt. Like, mm-hmm. even though you, just, you don't need anyone – I don't know. She's – I feel like she gives women permission to be cool, basically. Yeah. And, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I love her. I love her. Arattis. I could talk about her forever. I know. I love that. I just feel like everyone has a beauty expander that they're like, that is the coolest person I have ever yes. seen. And everything you do is magic. Yes. Yeah. I love everything she does. Oh, amazing. Okay. Well, thank you for being on. Thanks Tell everyone me. how they can get in touch with you oh, if they I'm want the to. I'm Julie Taylor on Instagram. The Julie Taylor. I remember when you used to be so, was it so, so Canary? So Canary. Yeah, yeah. back in the day. Mm-hmm. Yeah, now I'm the Julie Taylor. And I don't Julie do Taylor. as much there as I used to because now I work for someone else. Yeah, but. but like every single one of your posts is like church. I'm like, I did church for the week. That was beautiful. <laughs> there we go. Yeah, no, I'm still over there. So okay. Well, thank you so much thank for you. being on the show. So fun. <laughs>
And that's a wrap. Thank you so much for listening to the Cafe Binge Podcast. Until next time, may you notice all the wonderful, beautiful, binge-worthy parts of your day. Squeeze out every last drop, taste them, cherish them, because life was meant to be beautiful. Find me at cafebinge.com or on Instagram at cafebinge. Take me out to Cafe Binge tonight.